welcome back. You're listening to the Zoho CRM podcast. And today we have Darren Byrne, CEO of the world's largest LGBT travel brands, Out of Office and TravelGay.com. Welcome to the show, Darren. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. Thanks for having me, Cassandra. I really enjoy being on the podcast and I'm looking forward to a good chat. So we're thrilled to hear that. And uh, we're curious to know uh, more about your personal and professional journey. Maybe you can start by describing what led you to create a niche market for LGBT travel and how your perspectives were shaped to propel you to do so. Sure. Well, I was a journalist for uh, a national TV network here in the UK for several years for a, a network called ITV. And I got to travel a lot uh, as a journalist. Um, and really, I, I just realized that when you travel as a gay man, uh, you have to think about things a lot more differently to, to, to the mainstream. And that's because there are still so many countries where it's illegal to be gay. I think there's around 70 countries in the world where uh, being yourself is, is still illegal. Uh, and obviously that's, that's for a number of reasons. Sometimes uh, the law hasn't quite progressed uh, to where it ought to be. Uh, sometimes uh, it's down to religious beliefs. There's a lot of reasons that 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 being LGBT can be uh, particularly difficult. And I realised this when I was travelling to to countries where it was illegal to be gay. Um, and I had then had a, a bad experience of travelling myself in Egypt, where I was uh, refused a, a double bed with my then partner and uh, wasn't allowed to check into a hotel. And I realized that things needed to change and there needed to be a way for people to travel safely and confidently. And so I had this vision to create uh, a travel brand that essentially um, became a really inclusive travel brand. So even though we focus on LGBT travel, we actually cater to everyone, but everything we do is on the foundation that if it's safe for the LGBT customer, then it should be safe for everyone because we've uh, vetted that uh, supplier or that destination. Um, so the brands that we created uh, are, are inclusive yet exclusive at the same time. Um, and for me, it was just realizing that things needed to change. And that's where I guess uh, my, my perspective started and the journey started into creating at first uh, outofoffice.com. Uh, and then in a few years after that, we acquired a business called TravelGay.com um, in which uh, we were able to kind of grow these two travel brands into hopefully uh, really, really big global businesses. Wonderful. That's such a pioneering task that you've taken up. And uh, apart from this, there have been laws where or other countries that in fact meet out the death sentence to a lot of people is what I've read about as well when it comes to you know being yourself or uh, homosexuality in particular. And I mean, why haven't airlines also kind of made it easier? Why, I mean, what do you think is standing in the way? Is it a government laws or are there other things in question? Yeah, I think it is. Um, it's a it's a combination of things. You know, uh, change doesn't happen overnight, right? So uh, it takes time. It takes perceptions to change. It takes um, influence from uh, other people, other businesses, other countries. Um, so there are countries that, unfortunately, especially for us here in the UK, a lot of it, a lot of it is actually down to colonialism and older laws. So when Brits and when the British went to Africa and Asia and the Caribbean um, and were kind of taking over all these countries back in back in the day, um, unfortunately, the laws of Britain were enacted there. And whilst Britain has now changed the laws and things have improved. Um, a lot of those laws are still rooted 
into those countries. So it is difficult because uh, a lot of the reasons some of these countries are so homophobic is because of historic laws imposed by the Brits. And, uh, and that makes me sad as a Brit myself. Um, but also, yeah, I think it, it does take influence. And I think that doesn't happen overnight. I think, you know, money speaks a lot. A lot of countries will have changed their laws to be more progressive because um, they realize it's good it for business. Tourism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I think that's for me is really, um, you know, where the catalyst for change will come. I don't believe in boycotts. Some people believe that a boycott works and say if you don't go to a country, then they'll change their laws. I don't think that's right. I think every single country on earth has LGBT people. Right. That's just a fact. Exactly. And yeah. whilst governments and society may deny that in some of those countries, it is a fact. And I believe that by traveling to these places where it is illegal, if you can do it safely, then actually you might have a really Normalizing small, mm-hmm. yeah, a really small impact, basically. So for me, if I were to go to a country uh, where it's illegal to be gay, and as a Westerner, I'm very privileged that if I'm able to stay in a five-star hotel, that hotel might welcome me without any issues for me and my partner, even though it's illegal to be gay. However, there could be uh someone working in the restaurant or someone working Mm -hmm. in housekeeping who is lgbt and they see uh, a gay couple or a lesbian couple uh traveling there and it gives them hope i believe and i think you know even in those cases you know we know that the lgbt community in general has more disposable income so they spend more in resorts so you're right there is an economic argument to that and if we can yes. do that slowly but surely, I really believe we can affect change. But we've got to keep talking about it. It's really important uh, we talk about those countries where it is illegal to be gay and kind of make them realise, well, guess what? You have gay brothers, you have lesbian sisters, you have people in your community. You know, one in six, maybe one in eight people in the world are LGBT. So that means on every single street, in every single part of the world, there are LGBT people. And for those people in those countries where it's illegal to be LGBT, it must be awfully difficult um, for them to know that they're not welcome. And it's our job where we can to to help change those mindsets globally. Great, great. And uh, you you had also spoken of your own experience in Egypt. So in certain countries, like, is there still a provision for you to travel safely or do you have to have certain documentation with you when you travel to such locations? No, no, doc- no documentation. I think it's just about it's just about being um, a bit streetwise, really. So, you know, for example, in there are countries like the Maldives, right, which are under Sharia law. I've just got back from the Maldives with my partner because in the resorts, uh, it's a very different uh, feel. Um, you know, yeah. Sharia law is obviously not enacted. You're able to drink alcohol in the resorts, and yes. a lot of the resorts are run by Western chains now. Mm-hmm. That means that whilst it's illegal to be gay there, it is still safe to travel there if you choose the right resort. And that's kind of where out of office comes in. And we make sure we work with resorts that are welcoming and friendly. Um, mm-hmm. But but also, yeah, I think that the reality for a gay person is that ever since you've grown up, you've always had to be a little bit more streetwise. Right. You've always been potentially subjected to homophobic bullying or finding someone who doesn't necessarily um uh, agree with you on something and so you can't you're a bit more streetwise i think and i think uh, if you can apply that when traveling for example you wouldn't necessarily go through 
border control or immigration with your partner. You might go through as individuals in certain countries. Yes. And it's those kind of tips and those kind of things that will make a real difference, but enable people to still travel safely. And the reason I want to travel to these places is because I want to see the world. And we do get some people who say, well, why do you even go to these countries? Well, my answer is if I want to go to these countries, then other people want to too. So we want to enable them to do it in the safest possible way. Brilliant, brilliant. And and uh, how does it look when it comes to ecotourism as well as uh, leisure tourism that is you know prolonged and uh, vacations? Because these are kind of the newer trends that are emerging ever since the restrictions have been coming down. So uh, where do you see uh, you know 2022 heading towards in terms of a volume of bookings? Yeah, well, I'm not sure it's necessarily. So I mean, 2022 is going to be better than 2021 and 2020. That's for sure, right? Um, but yeah. I'm not sure it's necessarily even um, just looking so short term. Ecotourism, like you mentioned there, is obviously the buzzword and is going to be something that will happen going forward. People are much more conscious of their carbon footprint now. Um, and, you know, you even have big airlines. I think it's United in the, in the, in the USA are yeah. looking to fly the first fully um, renewable fuel in their, in their planes soon. Um, and, you know, that's really where when we talk about ecotourism right the carbon footprint that comes from ecotourism predominantly comes from the flights to your destination it doesn't necessarily come from you being in that destination right unless it, obviously it's a, it's a destination that is being really badly damaged by tourism so if yeah. we can solve the problem around flying and solve the problem around flights then that takes away a lot of the argument that you hear from people saying why do people travel right and that is happening that will happen it has to happen with all of the talk about net zero and climate change, um, airlines will need to find greener ways of flying um, in the next few years. And, and, and we're on the journey there. And look. Yeah, this has carved out another niche as well, like of local experiences, in fact. So uh, because people yeah. are opting out of flying, they rather, you know, uh, a lot yes. of people are discovering their own cities or, you know, their own countries for that matter. It's really interesting because travelgay.com has a lot of data, right? So it has uh, millions and millions of people visiting the site every year. And we cover almost every destination on the planet from an LGBT perspective. We list bars and clubs and restaurants and hotels. And the data over the pandemic has shown that whilst the site traffic has been down, it's not been as down as much as we thought it would be because rather than looking at destinations further afield, you're right, people are looking closer to home. So we've seen USA traffic on our site is the biggest uh, proportion of traffic we have, right? And we've seen that traffic actually grow over the pandemic because we now have people in the USA traveling within the USA rather than abroad. And so you're right, local experiences and local travel is great. I mean, for me, I, I've always thought, well, I'll, I'll, I'll explore my own backyard and I'll explore the UK properly when I'm a bit older. I'll let me get further afield while I can. But actually, yeah. for a lot of people, staycations have become a really big thing over the pandemic. And I don't think that will change. I think people will will mix it up now. They'll do a bit of long haul travel, a bit of short haul travel and probably traveling in their own, own country. Absolutely. And taking work with you has become the perk of it all. So uh, they don't really need to miss out. <laughs> If they, well, my company name is my company name is out of office, so I wish I could be permanently out of office. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Which brings me to my next question. See, you, you spoke so much of data about data. So, how does uh, you know technology kind of support your business, and you know what are some of the platforms you depend on? 
Yeah, I mean, all businesses function on technology now, right? It's the foundation of any business and it's no different in our business. It's the foundation of, of our business. I mean, we deal with customers and suppliers all over the world and it's therefore vital that we can communicate quickly with them and that we can deliver accurate results both to our suppliers and our customers. So, you know, in our business, email, website and social media are all inherently built into what we do as a business from a customer facing side of things, but then also uh, technology is super important for the foundations of the business. So a really good suite of back office tools, whether that's collaboration tools or communication tools for the team, whether that's HR, payroll, um, all of those things are super important to, to to my business. And you know, I love technology. I'm not a I'm not a coder at heart, but I've taught myself a bit of code. I like to think I can do a bit of everything. And technology has always been something I've been really interested in. And so uh, I I really love enabling the business to grow through the use of technology. Absolutely. And as a business owner, you rightly said you you do want to do a bit of everything. And you know that way, I think applications are being crafted towards that. Uh, you know, keeping in mind that every user may not have the knowledge of code, but they should be able to achieve the same results, right? And uh, how how big is your team currently? Uh, at out of uh, it, it, so we've got about fifteen people in the team. Um, obviously fluctuating because of the pandemic, but uh, yeah, yeah, we're 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 the good thing is, is we're back on the growth trajectory now, so we're hiring. Uh, and that, like everyone in the world, it's hard to find uh, the right people and enough people for the jobs that we have at the moment. But, you know, we're we're, we're finding good people, but it is a, it is a struggle. Uh, but, yeah, we're a, we're a small uh, but ambitious team. Absolutely. I'm sure you are. And uh, how about CRM? Like uh, when did you recognize uh, the need for one and how? I mean, we've had a CRM in the business since day one. I think, you know, when you're a customer facing business, a CRM is is vital, but not all CRMs are are equal. We had um, uh, an off, off the shelf solution uh, at the very beginning, uh, which we okay. had for a couple of years in the business, um, but it wasn't really working as well as I wanted to. It was great for, for starting the business and as a small business getting off the off the market was really important but I really like to be in control of every process in our business and to be able to customize and refine and streamline them and so um, that's when you know I, I, I looked at the market and um, I saw plenty of off-the-shelf solutions there are loads out there especially travel specific solutions uh, and loads of them are really really powerful uh, and some of them were much more powerful than than um, what we had in the beginning of the business. But there was something still kind of lacking when I really investigated them. I had lots of people come and pitch to me, demo the solutions to me. Uh, but one of the things that stood out most is that all of them really lacked the ability to fully customize it yourself without right. having to hire a developer each time that you wanted to make a change. If you wanted to make a change, you'd have to pay the company some money to make the change to your system. Um, and I, I, I didn't really like that. I was like, well, I want to be in control of our own destiny um, yeah. and be able to customize things myself. And I don't need to, if I can do something in five minutes, why am I going to hire a developer who's going to take two weeks to get around to developing it if I can change it myself in five minutes? And um, that's when I discovered Zoho's suite of products. And we built um, our own custom CRM solution uh, as a kind of twin pack with Zoho CRM and Zoho Creator. Mm -hmm. Amazing you've totally covered that really well in terms of uh, a business owner you're also i mean time is money 
So, you know, you shouldn't be breaking your head over finding the use of your tool. It should work for you, right? So what are the other features you consider uh, integral to your uh, operations at work? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the beauty of the, the Zoho suite of products is, is there's almost a product for everything, right? It always astounds me when uh, we think of adding something new to the, the business. We're like, oh, does Zoho do that? Oh, they probably already do that <laughs> or they're working on it, which is great because, you know, that's that's great for us. But like I said, really, it, it comes down to, <clears throat> to customization. Uh, being able to customize every element of the business that we need to, whether that's in Zoho Creator or in Zoho CRM or using the canvas in Zoho CRM to really build really intuitive dashboards for my team. So, you know, there were so many CRMs don't let you hide certain fields or move certain fields or whatever. And it's just a waste of space. I want when my uh, when a customer rings us or calls us, I want it to be yeah. all of their information to be in front of the agent within seconds, right? And I want them to be able to see everything about that customer on one page. I don't need them clicking through exactly. lots of different pages and going to lots of different tabs to just try and build a picture of that client. You should be able to see it instantly. And, um, you know, obviously Zoho CRM lets us, lets us do that. And uh, the Canvas tool has allowed, and again, I did it myself. I didn't hire a developer. Yeah. I didn't, get an in-house developer or an external developer to do it. I did it myself because I know yeah. the business better than anyone, right? So, it, right. and it's such a quick tool that obviously it's an iterative process and we're continually, change, continually changing it, but, um, but it allowed me to do it quickly. And as the founder of a business, you still need to be really close to what I call the coal face. You need to be right up there, really in the detail. Otherwise you lose touch with your customers with your staff with your team with your processes um and and so being able to to actually get hold of the system myself and make tweaks myself uh yeah. really makes a difference absolutely right and uh, in terms of uh, you know getting customer data because this always becomes a challenge even if we're using web forms uh, probably sometimes customers find it uh, annoying to type out their entire address or uh, these tend to miss fields or even if they're marked as important so uh, you know how do you get rid of that back and forth uh, do your agents have to follow up with them or uh, like did you use any certain feature to like quickly uh, you know uh, kind of fill this gap that uh, you usually have with missing data when they're booking tickets or something like that yeah, a lot of that is still manual, but um, we do we I mean, we have built some some products. So obviously, it's, I'll just talk you through how a customer comes into our business as a lead and how they end up coming out as a booking, basically. So we have obviously a lead form on our website, um, which you know generates the initial inquiry. So nothing is bookable on our website on outofoffice.com. It's very much a tailor-made service. So the lead comes into uh, Zoho CRM. And that's from our WordPress uh, website uh, with an integration. And then yeah. from Zoho CRM, um, one of my team will call and contact the lead um, and speak to them. And at that point, they will take more information. They'll be able to populate any fields that we're missing, whether that is gender or sexual orientation or uh, phone numbers or, or email addresses or whatever. We can populate that. And then when we get around to quoting and uh, sending booking details to that customer, we move them over into the custom tool we've built in Zoho Creator. Um, we, we build the quotes in Zoho Creator, but also at time of booking, we send out a form 
uh, from Zoho Creator, which we call the passenger information form. And that passenger information form uh, allows us to collect even more details. So it is things like passport first name and last name to make sure we're getting the flight tickets right. It is details of their travel insurance provider. So really, we are at that point uh, sending a really detailed form to enable them to, to fill that in. And obviously, that data is going straight back into our, our CRM system. Yeah. Um, so for us, yeah, I mean, customization is important, but also uh, the ability to have clean data is, is really important. But because also we want to make sure we can segment that data, report on that data and use analytics on that data to show what's working in the business and what's not working in the business. Absolutely. So do you also use this uh, same information to probably send out your newsletters, probably customers who've gone to certain destinations and you also know of an event happening in the same destination? Do you upsell that way? How else do you use your data? We can do. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we absolutely use Zoho campaigns as our um, as our mail shot newsletter system. We used to be with MailChimp, but it made sense to yeah. move over to Zoho campaigns once we uh, started using Zoho suite of products, because obviously it's included in the price of Zoho one. And also uh, it allows us to sync our data much more easily and segment our data. But yes, we have some workflows. We uh, send out personalized newsletters. Um, we 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 do quite a lot of customer prospecting. So if someone we know is a high value customer, uh, we'll make sure they have certain touch points um, with us once they come back from their travel, making sure they leave a review for us on Trustpilot, uh, making sure that we you know are speaking to our customers and our high value customers regularly. They have one point of contact within the business. So what we call it, uh, one agent, one customer. Um, yeah. And so we, in an ideal world, only one person in my team will ever speak to that uh, customer because yeah. it, it helps build rapport in, in the business. Yes, absolutely right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, is there a technological uh, feature you're missing in the travel space that would really change the game? Or like, do you have any future plans of, you know, converting the LGBT uh, travel space into something a lot more mainstream? Yeah, um, I mean, for me, one of the things that I noticed very quickly when um, traveling is that it's really hard to find reviews for hotels written from an LGBT standpoint, right? So yeah. um, one of the things that we're trying to do on travelgay.com is to um, enable people to leave reviews about any hotel in the world so that you can look up any hotel in the world and find a review by another LGBT person because people buy from people, right? People believe other people much more than they believe um, a big travel and brand they, and yeah. much more than they believe uh, a reviewer who's been given a stay at that hotel free of charge, for example, right? They believe other people who've actually been and lived and breathed that, that destination. So yeah, I mean, we, we are um, in 2022 launching our own booking engine, which will allow people on travelgay.com to actually book a hotel through us uh, directly. And then we'll be able to make sure that those people can review the hotels and really build up a really strong uh, database of reviews globally. And the other thing we'll be doing on travelgay.com is really building a, a, a an app, which we don't have yet, but is going to really enable businesses and customers to be linked together. So if you're looking for a gay bar in Barcelona, uh, then obviously that's what Travel Gay does already, but we're going to make it a much more interactive um, uh, opportunity for the customers and the businesses so that we can become both the B2B and the B2C business in really making sure there is success on both sides of it.
it's been a wonderful chat so far darren i had a superb time and i'm sure our listeners are as enlightened so before we let you go uh, it's time for a short game uh, of two truths and a lie uh, i'll tell you three facts from the industry and you can guess which one is uh, fiction in case you have any doubts you can totally ask me so these are going to be a quite long statements so i'll repeat them so uh, okay. the first statement uh, is that 52% of travel agencies opting for cloud service computing um, solutions are also adopting 84% of ai software when it comes to airlines okay so uh, it's like travel agencies are adopting only 52% of uh, cloud computing services but airlines are at 84% so that is the first fact the second one is the great outdoors and extended uh, staycations or vacations uh, will be significant contributors to a huge volume of bookings predicted in 2022 okay and the last statement is that london in the uk saw 50% uh, more tourists post the ease of lockdown owing to the success of the tv show uh, paul dark so i will go with the first statement you can tell me if that's correct or wrong that uh, travel agencies are at a 52% adoption rate when it comes to cloud computing services whereas airlines are at a 84% adoption rate i think that i think i think def i don't know about the i don't know about the numbers but i would certainly say that uh, travel agencies are certainly behind uh, airlines yeah. when it comes to adoption i mean airlines have always been quite uh, ahead in terms of cloud because clearly yeah. it's a global solution that's needed right because people are buying right. and selling tickets all over the world whereas travel that's agencies right. i mean i come from a non-travel background and i was super surprised when i started learning about the travel industry about how antiquated and old so many of mm. the processes are in it it just didn't make any sense to me so i i'd certainly say yeah. that definitely travel agencies are behind uh, airlines when it comes to, to cloud adoption 52 percent sounds quite high to me in terms of the number of travel agencies in, right. in, involved in, in cloud but yeah i mean it's probably a fact that one yes that definitely is a fact and maybe you can shed some light on what are certain hiccups travel agencies are facing when they adopt technology what are the you know pain points that they face and that's why they kind of shy away yeah well i mean a, a lot of travel agencies still really like the idea of direct contracting when i say direct contracting i mean making sure they've got a contract with as many different hotels in the world as possible right. the reality is is they don't have the buying power right so mm -hmm. we don't really deal with direct contracts we deal with direct direct relationships but we let other people do the buying where they've got mass buying power and then we build the relationships with the general managers or with the marketing people or with the sales people or with the front of house or the concierge at that hotel because i believe that's a much better way to offer a better service to our customers not only are we getting them the much better rates uh, but we're then still building that relationship with the hotel directly um, and i think so many travel agents have dealt with direct contracting for years that they don't know any other model but actually i i, I don't think that's the future i don't think direct contracts will even be a part of uh, the travel industry's future apart from some of the very very big players in the next few years yeah i mean like human interaction is definitely it can't be replaced completely for sure but kind of getting your message across or getting things done digitally is the future for sure and uh, yeah so the second statement uh, is that the great outdoors and extended vacations and staycations will be significant contributors to the huge uh, volume of uh, bookings predicted in 2022 i mean 
it's a very vague statement, I have to say. So I can't really say that it's fact <laughs> or fiction because also no one can tell, right? It's the future. Yeah. So how can we yeah. tell? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Of I mean, course. I would say that it's this is a prediction. This is a prediction. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> So, so it's, uh, so it's not it's neither fact nor fiction it's neither fact nor fiction because it hasn't happened yet so um, I would say that probably um, it will happen uh, I mean look people are looking at staycations and, and workcations like you said having said that um, I think people have been doing staycations for the last two years so they may want to travel further afield now they may want to get back out there and experience the beach if they live in a country where it rains all the time or they may want to go and experience cold weather if they live in a really sunny climate so uh, yeah. I, yeah i i don't know i think you're right that that certainly staycations will still be uh, a lot a big portion of um travel in the next year but um right. but whether it's going to be one of the main ones i don't know right right yeah i mean that this uh, i mean again a prediction but more of from your own personal experience at work what what do you see uh, i mean what is the trend emerging when you look at your bookings uh, are people uh, traveling further away or uh, uh, are they opting for you know uh, destinations where uh, they can kind of be on ground and explore i think we're certainly seeing people booking further afield trips people are wanting to get back out there uh, and they're yeah. wanting to explore. Um, but I think, you know, we we don't specialize in staycations, really. We make sure we, we really focus in kind of long haul travel. Uh, yeah. but certainly, like I said to you earlier, you know, the USA is traveling more within the USA. Um, yes, yes. And that, that to me would be cast as a staycation, even though they might still be flying yes, there. Yes. It's still kind of staying in their own own country. But yeah, I think certainly the ability to remote work now um mm -hmm. and the idea that if, you know a lot of the yeah well if i can do my yeah. if i can do my job from my uh apartment in the uk why can't i do it from an apartment on a beach somewhere very sunny <laughs> right Absolutely. So, um, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah maybe next year i'll be doing that maybe i'll be definitely living up to the company name of out of office and setting my out of office and uh, <laughs> well not setting my out of office and working from working from somewhere uh, internationally absolutely absolutely Super. And uh, the last statement, I mean, since we already got two facts, uh, the last statement is a lie. So I'm just going to say that uh, I'll just repeat the statement. London, UK saw 50% more tourists post the ease of lockdown owing to the success of the TV show called Dark. So, okay, what portion I mean, that, of this do that, you think is the lie? <laughs> I think that... 50% is definitely a line, right? <laughs> I think that must be a line. Like, I, no, even after lockdown, uh, there were still, you know, lots of travel restrictions from many different countries. So I think, you know, tourism is nowhere near where it used to be pre-pandemic. Yeah. So hopefully that will change in the next year. But yeah, that's definitely a line. And I also think, I mean, I've not watched Poldark, but I think, I don't think that much of it is based in London. I think some of it's based in other parts of the UK. So I don't think it would necessarily be a direct contributor to london exactly that i mean that that is that is the right uh, answer that you know it's not london it's more of the small town in cornwall where it was mm -hmm. shot so that yeah, is that the sense. town that actually got most of the tourists and uh, which brings me to the fact of you know wanderlust streaming that has been the rage uh, in fact because people were locked in for so long uh, netflix and you know other streaming services have taken over and you see the rise of people wanting to go to south korea or other destinations just because the culture has kind of drawn them in right now 
Bondola streaming is uh, another trend that's been spoken of uh, widely in terms of, I mean, even travel agencies are kind of picking up on that and uh, pushing that forward. So uh, just wanted your insights on it if you've ever come across. Yeah, I think, I, think that's, I think that's right. I think people do see something and think, I want to do it. I'm not sure I fully believe that uh, the impact is quite as great as people make out, right? It, obviously, the, the other thing that I, you know, you need to be very conscious of is uh, destination marketing companies, right, are always going to find a statistic or a fact mm -hmm. to show yeah. how wonderful their destination is, right? So um, even if, um, you know, you're looking at uh, something like Poldark in Cornwall, right? I don't know about, I don't know the destination. I don't know who, who where that's, that stat comes from, but where are they getting that stat from? Is it from the number of room nights? Is it from, right. you know, the fact that everyone in the UK couldn't go abroad last year, so they just went to Cornwall? Were they yeah, really going exactly. to Cornwall because of Poldark? I don't know. Right, I think right. they might have just been going to Cornwall because there was availability in places to stay. So, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit, I, I used to be a journalist, right? So I'm a big skeptic whenever I see anything right. from mm -hmm. uh, companies and facts. And I also, you know, yeah. it's just good marketing, right? Anyone can, any, anyone can find a good stat and turn it into yeah. something that's positive for their business or their destination so awesome awesome darren so thank you so much uh, it was great chatting with you i hope you had a good time chatting with us as well i really did thanks Cassandra. we hope you enjoyed our episode with darren burn curious to know more about travelgay.com and out of office find out all the information you need in the description box Follow us on Twitter at Zoho CRM to get the latest updates on the show. If you have any queries or suggestions, write to us at the email ID mentioned in the details of this episode. I'm your host Cassie and be sure to tune in next month for a brand new episode and format. You're listening to the Zoho CRM podcast.